Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJoria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, we're talking Indy, the countdown, and we're chatting with Cruz Pedragon and Erica Enders. Erica Enders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. It's playoff time in the NHRA. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 thousandths at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Loans back again with another episode of the NHRA Insider coming off the back of what was an incredible U.S. Nationals and getting ready to make a very short turn to head to Maple Grove Raceway. Actually, recording the show on a Tuesday. I'll head to Maple Grove tomorrow. Most of the teams are making their way to Pennsylvania right now to start their uh, setup and construction of their pit areas. And it is interesting because normally we've had a break of a week between the last race of the regular season and the start of the countdown. But with the way the schedule laid out this year, with the necessary kind of date tweaks and movement that had to be done uh, we are going right into it which uh, I'm thankful for I think a lot of our fans are thankful for it I think a lot of the racers are thankful for it because if you didn't have a great indie you get to rebound quickly in Maple Grove if you did have a great indie you get to try to keep swinging the bat the the uh, keep swinging the bat and making contact picking up those round wins and certainly trying to establish yourself as a true championship player in the countdown uh, we're going to talk about the U.S. Nationals here, of course. I have Erica Enders coming on today as well as Cruz Pedragon, and we're going to talk to both of them about not only their indie experiences, but also what they foresee coming for themselves in this countdown, and, and really both of them are coming at it from very different places. Erica coming off a win at the U.S. Nationals, her second in a row, coming in second in the points to try to chase down Greg Anderson and certainly seeming to do it with some wind in her sails, and we talked to Cruz Pedragon, who certainly did not have a bad indie, had a good race car, had a tough race car, had a very tough racetrack to deal with out there and crew is making the final in in Brainerd having a solid U.S. Nationals comes into the countdown with more uh, let's call it energy let's call it success potential than he has had in years so it's going to be a fun conversation to have with both of those racers just getting their perspective as we uh, really set forth this countdown which will be uh it's going to be one for the books especially Nitro Funny Car and and really let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Indy as we get ready to uh, kind of prepare ourselves for the countdown. It, what a wild weekend, and for so many reasons. Uh, it was horrendous to lose Saturday to rain completely. I mean, that was uh, depressing beyond depressing. We were there all day. We were there into the night, actually. I think it was about 8 o'clock in the evening when finally uh, NHRA officials decided that they were not going to be able to get any sort of a window long enough to get the track dry. And, you know, there were people that were angry that, you know, why didn't they just run two qualifiers Friday? Why didn't they run uh, qualifying again on Sunday morning and then finish eliminations on Monday? And logistically, I feel like there are things you cannot do, um, especially when we're talking about live national television windows. And on Sunday, that's what we had. We were on for a combined total of, I think, nine hours total. If you take our qualifying show in, take our FS1 two-hour show for the first round, and then we go into our elimination show, which... um, went for three hours on the Fox broadcast network. It is not a simple phone call to say, hey, you know what, guys? Why don't we just take that Sunday window and we'll just be live on Monday on your network channels across America? It's just not how it goes. And, of course, we have to make concessions and changes when, like, race days rain out. But 
the fact of the matter is race day was great. Qualifying was bizarre because we had the one Friday night session. Um, guys like Sean Langdon tiptoed their way in. A pedal job saved his bacon, got him in the field. We certainly missed seeing Mike Salinas. We missed seeing Clay Milliken first round on Sunday. It did give us a chance to watch Kyle Wurzel, to watch Greg Carrillo, to watch other cars run in the first round and try to make their mark on that 67th running of the Dodge SRT NHRA U.S. Nationals. It set up some crazy first-round matchups, of course, too. And Top Fuel, we saw Antron and Steve after race first round. Uh, in Nitro Funny Car, we saw a, a fairly spread first round, if you will. Alexis DeJoria and Blake Alexander were the only two top 10 cars that had to face off against each other in round one. But as these things go, they distill themselves down to the best of the best. There was the controversial John Force run where a lot of people thought that he crossed the center line. I can tell you as uh, being there, uh, literally looking out the window and watching not only the run, but also the response by NHRA Race Administration and the Safety Safari to inspect where that car was, to inspect where the tires went, uh, he didn't cross. And, you know, that's one of the things that needs to be, I think, double down clarified every time we talk about this rule. But the body can cross, the header can cross, but the tire cannot cross that line. And according to the NHRA officials that went out and inspected it, he did not cross that line, did not hit any blocks. It did advance him on. And, you know, it was a, a first round and a second round full of gasps and, and crazy stuff. We saw so many red lights in pro stock and pro stock motorcycle. Again, I think a consequence of the one qualifying session everybody got. People came into round one fairly unsettled. I came into round one unsettled in the, in, the, in the broadcast booth just simply because there are things you expect. There's a routine in your mind that you go through. You have three rounds of qualifying, at least we have last couple seasons, and then you have Sunday morning eliminations. Well, when you have one qualifying session, and then the day before you go to race, you do nothing. Uh, we, of course, had to make our qualifying show, which relied heavily on footage from Friday night. Um, it is weird for everybody, every single person in that place, from from the TV crew to the drivers to the racers to the fans. Uh, it is just a very different way to come into a Sunday, an eliminations day at the U.S. Nationals. And uh, it played out incredibly. You know, Top Fuel whittles its way down to Torrance and, and Brittany in the final. Uh, Jamie Howe did a report, told us that they had to put a fresh blower or a different blower on top of uh, Brittany's engine. The car blew the tires off at the starting line and Steve streaked to a win. Uh, he comes into the countdown, as we would expect, with huge amounts, gobs, if you will, of momentum. And then we go to Nitro Funny Car. You got Caps, who's been trying his whole life to win the U.S. Nationals. You got Tim Wilkerson, who hasn't won in a very long time. And it's Wilkerson in the right-hand lane, the the untraversable, the, the impossible right-hand lane. Runs 391 in the final, just a throwdown effort. Came with the house, and he left with the house, and he left with the Wally, and he left with, his, with a reinvigorated outlook, I believe, on not only himself and his team, but really the rest of this season and what potentially he can do in the countdown. In pro stock, we saw it come down to Kyle Koretsky and Erica Enders. Kyle Koretsky has been diligently chipping away at his performances over the last five, six, seven races. We look at Kyle Koretsky now differently, at least I do, as a pro stock competitor than I did at the beginning of the 2021 season. We have seen him now making multiple finals. He was there in Topeka, Kansas. He was there again at Indy. And Erica, as she so often has done, stepped up to the occasion, went 24 in the tree, he went 40. She beat him on a whole shot with a mildly slower car. She also was in the right lane. And then there's, of course, Eddie Krawick, who makes his way to the final, an all-Vance and Hines final between he and Angel, and he manages to beat Angel. And, and he was 
over the top. He was at the top of the racetrack, more emotional than maybe I've seen him after any win ever in recent years. And it was uh, an outpouring of emotion for him. I think a a reinvigoration again for him, much in the same way we talk about Tim Wilkerson. But for Craywick, uh, this was validation for all the hard work for trying to sort out this Buell body on their chassis, trying to sort out any number of different things. And so for Craywick, it was big time stuff. For the Vance and Hines team, it was shaping up to be fairly precarious because uh, the first round of eliminations, you had Eddie and Andrew having to race, Eddie with the far superior motorcycle, Andrew's in 10th place. So behind him was Corey Reed. And if Corey Reed had passed Andrew in the points, he would not be in the countdown. Corey Reed was going to be in either way because he has been to every race, participated in every qualifying session, meaning that he qualifies for the countdown in that clause. Angel did her job. She beat Corey Reed in the first round, which removed really any sort of risk for Andrew Hines because Jerry Savoie, unfortunately, because of Hurricane Ida, could not be part of the U.S. Nationals this year. And so Andrew uh, did get eliminated in the first round, but Corey Reed did as well. So that locked Andrew in after uh, some nail biting. And Angel, you know, give her credit, all the credit in the world, coming from a, a battered and bruised Louisiana, her area particularly hard hit by Ida. She showed up with her head screwed on straight, rode the bike well enough to make a final, just didn't have quite enough uh, chutzpah in the final round to beat Eddie Krawick. So, you know, long and short of it, that's how it looked, um, you know, on Sunday afternoon. But my goodness, uh, the energy at the U.S. Nationals was amazing. Um, the recovery between the depression and the sadness and the the woe of Saturday to the complete electrifying environment of Sunday was one of the more unique things I've ever experienced in drag racing. We had an insanely packed house on Sunday. I mean, the place was a blowout. If you watch the show, we had the Lucas Oil Chopper on the grounds, and they were flying around getting us uh, traffic shots, really, which was amazing. From all directions, people were backed up for miles trying to get in to Lucas Oil Raceway Indianapolis. It speaks to the race. It speaks to the legacy. It speaks to the tradition. It speaks to everything good about the U.S. Nationals, as did the competition. And that goes for the Jags All-Stars. The sportsman racing was over the top. Uh, it really, really was fantastic. So um, I think that when we when we talk about this U.S. Nationals in 2021, when we look back over it, um, I think it will be the end of a short era of Sunday finishes. We're going back to Monday next year. We're going to look at it and see the news that was that was laid out during this event, meaning the addition next year of two uh, big dollar shootouts, one at Gainesville for top fuel cars, one at Indy for Nitro Funny Cars, the NHRA All-Star Shootout, uh, which now point teams have begun gathering points for these now. So what I think is very interesting is that when we get to the beginning of next season, uh, you're, the eight cars in these shootouts may not necessarily be the eight cars you expect. We could have some people outside of the countdown, outside of the top 10, go on a run late in the season and put themselves in a place to succeed, especially in top fuel where that, that uh, race is going to take place at the third event of the season. You're going to have Pomona and Phoenix, and then you're going to have the Gainesville race with the shootout. So for the top fuel category, their window of points earning is going to be highly, highly dedicated to the countdown races. And when we look at a guy like Josh Hart, who's not a countdown competitor this year, uh, he's certainly somebody that could bust his way into the top eight of these Nitro All-Star points.
Uh, Bo Butner announcing he's coming back full-time in the 2022 season in pro stock racing with Elite Motorsports. Johnson's Horsepower Garage will be his title sponsor for the year. Very excited to see Bo back, a dedicated competitor. He's been off bracket racing and big money competing over the course of uh, 2021, and certainly welcoming him back into pro stock is, is great news. Uh, Dallas Glenn announced that he has secured Rad Torque Systems for his 2022 title sponsorship, which means that Dallas will not be a one-shot deal in pro stock. Uh, he's certainly a championship contender in pro stock, and it's great that he will be back next year, and we know he will be back next year. The list of news really went on and on and on over the course of the week, and if you follow NHRA.com, of course, they were doing a great job of, uh, of getting the stories, amplifying the stories, and keeping you up to date. So uh, we need to talk about Maple Grove Raceway now. We're finally going back to Maple Grove. Last time we were there was 2019. The famed Ron Caps 339-28 run, the second fastest run in the history of NHRA drag racing, was made on a Friday night, I believe, qualifying session. I think it was Friday night qualifying that, uh, that he did. Um, and what we know about Maple Grove this weekend, it is going to be bad fast because it's always bad fast. What we also know about Maple Grove this weekend is that the weather forecast looks tremendous. I'm talking about highs in the mid-70s, which means Friday evening qualifying should be la-la land, double throwdown, nasty in terms of the ability of people to go fast. And we know that, at least for this moment, on this Tuesday before the race, the skies are looking to be clear over the course of the weekend, which, let's be honest, is kind of an anomaly for Maple Grove. It's a race that we love because of the racetrack, the history, the amount of uh, great things that have happened there. It's a race that we love because of the hardiness of the fans. We often highlight that where the weather can look so gloomy and the place is going to be uh, blown out. We just know it is. So looking forward to that energy, looking forward to that fun, looking forward to adding to that history this weekend at Maple Grove Raceway, and certainly looking forward to finding out who will put their best foot forward in this first of seven races for the Nitro categories, first of six races in the countdown for the gasoline-burning Pro Stock and Pro Stock motorcycle runners. So that's what we have here, and now we're going to transition immediately into our first guest. He is the man that is coming into the countdown as a team owner with more momentum than he's had in years. Ladies and gentlemen, Cruz Pedregon. How you doing, Cruz? Hey, good, Brian. How about you? Doing really well, man. It's great to uh, great to catch up with you. Uh, you know, normally it's I was mentioning this in the open of the show. Normally we get a week to kind of catch our breath before this countdown starts, but we're going straight into it. You know, actually, Brian, I thought we were going to get a week. I wasn't really paying that much attention to it. I just focused <laughs> on from the start of the season to Indy, and then after that, well, I'll worry about it then. But uh, as we started planning, I started talking to people. They're like, "Well, we're leaving Wednesday." My goal? What are you going? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's uh yeah it, it's upon us man that's the four in a row i thought there would be a gap and then four in a row but no we're going right right to the playoff right into it countdown and, and listen for you guys uh i'm saying that's a pretty good thing the way this car is running the way everything's been coming together i mean why stop now right yeah exactly i mean it you know took us a while as as we all thought you know a new team with with jc and rip and all those guys and just you know it, it, i i predicted five or six races and it was fairly close to that and um so yeah i mean you know things things are things are rocking and rolling now and we uh the thing i'm most excited about is you know we were running we were like in the i think we run more 398s and 397s <laughs> than anybody in the history of drag racing we were like bracketed right in that you know in fact i would joke uh to the guys uh you know we're, we're gonna run 398 or 399 you know but you know what we proved at Brainerd now is the first of the faster tracks, yep. fall like conditions, and the car responded amazingly, and it ran right into the click. We're clicking three eighties off like, 
like nothing. And, and so th- that was for me a, a big deal to, because the fall and this, this countdown, you're going to see, you know, track conditions and those kind of cooler, fast tracks. So that's, that's what I'm glad we can, you know, it's like a, it's like a, you gotta be a, you know, it's like a, you gotta have some offense and you have to have some defense. Yeah. You gotta be able to do both. You know, one of the things I'm always interested in, and, and we see this maybe from from different operations, you know, you see kind of some of the crew guys post on social media, see kind of like what the, the general kind of attitude or approach is to the team. And as you guys have really kind of gelled together now and come together, what would you describe the group of guys that you have there? Like what what is the balance between – because it's not all – you know, you look at some of these teams and, and you go, okay, I know why you're not winning rounds because I'm seeing a lot of photos of, of your guys doing wacky, crazy stuff during the week, but I'm not seeing that out of your team. What's what's the kind of approach and attitude to that group of guys? As my good friend and and the late, great Joe Paisano said about Don the Snake Perdome, he's a freaking pro. These guys are <laughs> – these guys are – that's an Italian, Italian version. <laughs> he didn't say freaking. He said, no, you know, it's a freaking pro, man. So yeah, no, these guys, uh, these guys are, these guys are pros and they, they've been there before and I love it because, you know, I don't, there's not a lot of rah-rah goes on and, you know, within my team and yeah. we just kind of do our thing. And so the, yeah, these guys are, these guys are very buttoned up. Uh, you know, they, they, they kind of, they know what to do. They know, you know, we don't get too high, don't get too up. We don't, you know, we don't get too, too far down. We just keep, keep rolling. And I think really, if you look at sports in general, Generally, the teams that you know, like they say, act like you've been there before. Yeah. I think that's really us how to how to describe uh, this. The, you know, the team. My, you know, my my snap on Dodge team. It's it's great. No, it is great. And you know, one of the things that uh, that you've been very clear about, and, and you've you've talked about multiple times, is is really concentrating your energies on on being an owner and and doing the things that are really more uh, business minded, managerial, kind of the behind the scenes type of stuff. And I'm wondering, you know. What has have you done things this year as as a more concentrated, dedicated man in the ownership level or ownership role that have surprised you in terms of oh oh I'm, I'm able to do this now or I'm more comfortable doing this now than I was because I don't have the weight of all of this on my shoulders? Yeah, you know, and exactly, it took a while for me to get that mindset because I'm so used to doing things and taking care of things that I I didn't know how to relax or take it easy the first four or five races. Yeah. In fact, I'm still not where where I think I think we can just get better as you know the longer we're together but it took me a while to deprogram myself to to not be uh you know worry about all the little details that these guys will these guys will take take care of things and, and as soon as they started i saw the details that, that they take care of you know and, and i don't want to name all the details know, but there's all you. the yeah. things that go into work the inner workings of these race teams you know then i was able to see it and then i okay because i you know i'm not gonna let a guy tell me a guy can tell me all day he's gonna do this but until i see it then I can uh, react accordingly. So it's been great. You know, it's been, uh, uh, you know, I'm really back to how I, how I was when I, when I was a driver, I, you know, drove for owners. And so for me, I decided, you know, before I hired these guys that do I want to be a, a, a good to great owner and driver, or do I want to just try to do everything and be the coolest guy ever if I pull it off? And I decided, <laughs> no, I, I want to be an, I want to be a good owner, a great owner. And I want to get in that car and do my job. And so that's, and that's what I'm doing. I've got, qualified people to 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 give me a, a you know fast car and and really that's all i can ask 
Yeah, and part of being a great owner is maintaining the relationships with the people that keep your car on the racetrack. And your association right. with Snap On has has is entering. You know, the number of years you've been together with Snap On is entering pretty rare territory in our sport. And I realize that you're on a you know you had an extension coming into this year and, and a lot of good things there. So what is the what is the trick? What is the secret? What is the sauce in that relationship that makes it this good? Well, I think when you're with a great company like Snap On, that very well run. It's the top to bottom. Nick Pinchuk, the CEO, is a old school guy that really runs a tight ship, and they, uh, you know, their checks and balances across the board. And so for me, it's been the relationship I've developed with them through the years. And I really started back in my Larry Minor uh, McDonald's car uh, days when we had Snap On was on that car. Anybody that has those diecast cars or T-shirts or whatever they or photographs, they can look back in '92, '93, '94. 95 we had uh, snap on on the car and so that relationship goes way back and they value that as a as a cut as a company that values customer relations and they value their customers and how they treat all their franchisees uh, customer service and and longevity with the company really means something to snap on and so for me i'm very fortunate in that respect and i'm able to you know continue to cultivate that relationship and continue to show that we have what it takes here. You know, we're a single car team and I've had, I've had some tough years. I'm not going to sugarcoat sure. it. You know, we've had some tough years, but we, we, we kept our, uh, as Bernie federally used to say, we kept our wits about us and we just kept plugging away. And, and I think for me being a uh, transparent to them and just letting them know, Hey, we'll get this thing. We'll get, we'll write this ship. And so, you know, it, it just takes years, you know, uh, that's, what's great about winning and winning organizations is, uh, you know, you realize and understand and appreciate th- that it does take time. And once you get there, well, you, you need to, you know, try to do all you can to keep it there. So that's where we're at, uh, Brian. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, honored, and happy to represent uh, great companies like I do. Dodge has come on board with us, and we're doing more things. I did the YES program with them the other day at, at IRP. And so, you know, all these uh, Petroff, uh, uh, Speed Dogs, uh, you know, Fatheads, I were all the all the people that support us, Powers Solar. Uh, really, it, it just it's just they're 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 on the right team. I tell them, hey, you guys, you guys are on the right team here. And even though you know we didn't have the best years a few years ago, hey, we're we're looking forward. And you know, and like I said, I looking at the team, going back to the team. You know, these guys, you know, I really appreciate that they all stuck together and and believed in me. They thought, hey, here's a guy that you know, been plugging away for a few years. Let's, let's give them a shot. And so here we are together that we've made, we've managed to maintain them as a team. And so what's really cool about it too, is, uh, you know, some of the PR people at Schumacher's and some of those relationships they had for many years, you know, I kind of feel like we're a, somewhat of a DSR satellite team. Cause they're all, you know, they're all like family over there. So they still come out and they visit us and, you know, and hang out. So, you know, for me, uh, it's, it's been a great, it's been a great run and we're, we're just getting started. Yeah. And that's the, uh, that's really the best part about it. You know, a couple of races ago, we posed a question to a, a ton of different drivers about the starting line. You know, what's the worst thing someone can do? What's the most annoying thing someone can do? And, and your answer was awesome. I think the first one we couldn't use cause it had a, a, a good, I would have loved to use it, but you know, <laughs> the F- FCC rules prevent us from airing some profanity, yeah. but I want to talk a little bit about this because you've been in the class so long. When did this turn into, or when did this become some sort of a like unspoken gentleman's agreement to some degree that that spins a lot of guys out? Because it like wasn't like that. Like, it's when like when I was a, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like when I was a kid, it was every man for himself. I remember watching on TV and and you just see everybody trying to do whatever the hell they could do to win. And now exactly. it's like and and so when did that change? Or can you even? I'm not saying to pinpoint it, but it, was there an era that it changed in a time frame? Yeah, I, I would say, 
uh, you know, I'm going to just guess the last uh, five to five to eight, ten years, maybe okay. going back. I think just the newer, the newer drivers, the newer generation, and our society as a whole, just kind of, the sensitivity level is super high, and you can't do this, and politically correct, and and I say BS to all that. You know, I, I'm a, you know, people need to realize that that's how I feed my, that's how I'm going to put my kid through college. I drag racing is serious business. When I pull up to the line. It's not a, hey, man, like what guys now want to do is, okay, you're going to do this. You're predictable. I'm going to do this. Let's all just love it. I'm like, you know what? Screw you, pal. It, it's not, it, that's not how it is. I'm not going to yang when you yang. You know, I'm going to yang when you yang or however it's going to be. But I generally try to do my own thing. Generally speaking, when you go up there and you have a plan or you're going to try to screw with someone, um, it'll mess you up. There's a certain guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but last year he was driving funny. He was driving top fuel this year. He thought he'd be cute and try to mess with me. Well, guess what? I made the full double step, right? I believe it was at Dallas. And so I thought to myself, you know, that's what you get, clown, for (laughs) trying to poke the bear, right? So, but, but my thing is, you know, and just just last week, okay, or last was it Sunday? You know, we had an incident with a with a certain driver that had some clutch problems. And you know what? What I'm most proud of, Brian, is I didn't say a word. Had that been roles been reversed? Oh man, I would have caught hell. Why are you doing that? You know, it had been it would have been all up in my face. But you know, I look at it as you know what? We're all professionals. If you can't handle a guy doing something different or being a little later or blinking the lights, most of the time it's on accident anyway. Uh, because generally it's going to screw the other guy up. So yeah. my thing on this is it's just the times we're in, Brian, and the younger guys just really not getting it. Yeah, and there is an element to this, too, that you mentioned, like the era, and I think we're slowly getting our way back to it, but like when when guys like you, when you race to eat, it's a totally different ball game than when you race for the weekend and go flying back to whatever you do during the week. And and exactly. I think when when we talk about like the the good old days or back in the seventies or the like the big match race times, and we talk about these rivalries that happened, it's because they needed the money. You know, it wasn't just because they wanted to That's, they wanted to win at Podunk Drag Strip USA yeah. Intercenter. They needed the freaking money. So you know, there is an element to this where you know, and I've you know, I've caught. I've caught flack for it for saying it, but it's like the era of the the mega team as we knew it really has is coming to a close. And I do feel like the more single car operations we have that perform on your level, that operate on on your level as you do, it makes us a better sport. It does, and you know if you think about it, let me just comment real quick. If there's clicks that are out there that guys get off on hey man did you you know they, there's a couple i don't know i'm just going to call them clicks of drivers that get together and oh yeah man i was blinking the top light and i'm so cool and, hey man let me reach in your shorts let me grab your stuff man that's so freaking cool oh man i'm gonna wiggle that you know and so for me it's like i'm not a part of a click you know i kind of do my thing and you know and uh you know and it's like i i admire and like the john force stage and methodology see i would never want to fight john force in the street you know why oh he's a dirty fighter yeah, man yeah. <laughs> you, you might pick up a freaking brick whack you upside the head with it and bust your skull and you there but you know he's trying to win so for me yeah i i just i don't know i don't get it but you know what these old dudes like me and force are going to continue to do that and that's our thing and i hope that generations you know switch it around like you said and 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 don't get caught up and you know playing grab ass with your buddies and talking about it afterwards because really that's that's the only people that really care about this staging and you know i've talked to tony about it 
well, you staged a couple of, you know, BFD, man. What You know, if you look at a freaking road course, those guys run over rumble strips. It's yeah. Like, you know, so, it, but you know who said it best is our, is our buddy Joe Costello. It's gamesmanship. What the it hell is. ever happened to gamesmanship? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, like so, so anyway, yeah, that, that's an interesting topic, but fans just care about win. I mean, really, if you strip it down. Absolutely. Fans love us to put on a show side by side. They don't want to hear some dude whining about, oh, you went and blinked on me. Uh, uh, you made me nervous. You know what it is? It scares the crap out of these guys. When you do something different, that old spiders they're sitting on gets all kind of crazy, and, and they just it, they don't like it. You didn't do what you I thought you were going to do. So, <laughs> well, and again, That's you know, from a, from a you know selfish fan and uh, enthusiast point of view, it's 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 one of the things that I think is is and again, it's it's the second level of fan, like you said, generalized fan just wants to see your target on the racetrack and win. They don't really care how you do it for right. for the for the second level of fan. It's kind of like okay, cool. This is. Because to me, it just adds it adds the 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 point that is so it's tough to it's tough to make sometimes that there is a second level to this sport in terms of not just see light hit gas like there is a level of a level of preparation that you're going to go through and you're going to understand who you're racing and and again you're going to do what you need to do to to try to win. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. Look, let me just comment one last thing. Yeah. Do you do you think the guy with a beer with some nachos and some cheese on his fingers on the fortieth row is giving a crap about? <laughs> Hey man, this guy rolled in a couple. It's like, right. dude, give me a freaking break! No, he doesn't give two shits about that. Sorry for my language. But it's the internet, man. We can say whatever we want. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, the Sunday at Indy obviously was was crazy because it, it was beyond the definition of a single lane racetrack. I mean, the left lane was was where it was at. And weirdly, in the finals, three out of the four winners came out of the uh, the right side. But. Um, you know, in in conversations with your crew chief and conversations with your team, does it, it obviously it must come up that hey man, we got to do whatever we can do to keep lane choice here? No, and thank God they didn't get caught up in that bull crap about lane choice. Somebody was keeping score, and you know, you know, Brian, a lot of it, most of it, is the better cars were in the left lane, man. Of course, I, mean, I, I can't of help course. the guys. You know, guys are trying too hard or whatever. The 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 lane. So NHRA, let me say this: If there was any issues, the NHRA, I think we waited an extra twenty or thirty minutes for them to prepare the lanes. There's a few guys that were concerned about maybe some ball spots, but at the end of the day, we smoked the tires in the so-called good lane. The winning car, Tim Wilkerson. By the way, congrats to Tim! What an awesome final round he yeah. pulled off. He went one of the quickest runs of the day, and the hottest part of the day went three ninety-one, and and won the race. Congrats to his team. But my point is, is that so much, that's uh, jibber-jabber, that's uh, uh, people talking. And so the days of the lane choice thing, it sounds good to talk about it, it feels good, and it gives people excuses. And I'm glad my guys didn't say one word about it, because you know what, I wouldn't give them two shits about lane choice. You know, I... Would I would like to stay in the same lane? Sure, but I, I when I pulled up there when I was driving in the stage of my car, I didn't give two. I was worried about the guy in the other lane because let me tell you, if you don't take care of that guy, you're not going to have to worry about lane choice. So, so no, I, I think it was all a bunch of. It, it sounded good, felt good, you know, gave people some outs, but nah, it's like it, the lanes were even. Look at the results at the end. Yeah, and there is a second. There is a second half to what you said, and you mentioned it, but it's it is when. 
I'm not going to say it's monkey see, monkey do, but when you are the faster car and, and you have the choice and you're seeing guys go down that left lane, why would you not yeah. pick it in line? So, yeah, so you're going to see cars that, you know, yeah. and again, I'm not taking a shot at Dale Creasy, but I, I'm not going to, um, if I got the choice, I'm putting Dale Creasy over there. I'm putting whoever I can over there. And even if Dale Creasy was on the opposite side of the racetrack, if we're talking about just raw performance, there's a chance he's not going to be able to run somewhere in the low 90s like he was going to need to to win his round anyway. So, right. yeah, it does kind of yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah, and look at there was a couple of rounds. I believe it was Jr. I believe he smoked the tires from. I, I didn't see it, but I heard it. The guy in the right lane, I forget who it was. Campbell. I think it was Campbell was trucking on down through there, and they they shut off for whatever reason. And all and Jr. pedaled it, made it down there, and won the round. Well, that wasn't the lane's fault. No. If anything, Jr. got in trouble in with the so-called good lane. Same thing with John Forrest. They probably pulled it back a little bit. It unloaded the motor, dropped the cylinder because they were, you know, probably concerned or slowing it down. And, and he, you know, got all crossed up, almost crossed the center line. But the guy on the other line didn't do his stinking job, you know. Yeah, no, it was. If you, look at, if you look at if you look at Alexis and Wilkerson against us, he he trucked on down there, ran three ninety seven, very workmanlike. Hey, he went down there, Alexis in the right lane. I saw her win against Tasky, but we were towing yep. back. I saw Tasky fall back. So yeah, I mean, like I said, and that's really the thing. And you, I don't want to say monkey see, monkey do, because the guys that tune these cars are really good at what Absolutely. they do. And but at the end of the day, we are influenced by what we see. We're all human, and that becomes kind of a little thing to talk about. And pretty soon it gets tossed around, and this guy says it. Pretty soon, hey man, I guess it's the damn lane. We're on a one lane racetrack. <laughs> That's just that's a that's a sounds cool to say because it makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about the, the, the telephone game drag racing style yeah exactly so one last question here is uh, as we get ready to to finish up this conversation um, you know you've not entered the countdown with this quality of car this quality of team this quality of performance for uh, for several years now um, I'm not going to ask if it changes your outlook but it has to be more comfortable. I mean, to a degree that it can be comfortable. It has to be more comfortable to know that when you roll into Maple Grove through the gates on, on Friday morning, that people are going to be looking at that snap-on car, understanding that you're probably going to be a factor in this race. You know, it's it's uh, well, it's all of the above. I can, I can throw out every cliche known to man, but it, it, it Brian, let me tell you, besides it takes more energy and, and I've got to get in better shape because let me tell you, going rounds is different than you know, what I did before, I'd go one round, two rounds, done. One round, two rounds, or one round, you know. But, man, you start going rounds in these cars, the way they accelerate nowadays, and I've had to change a little bit of my driving a little bit and wore the, the neck support thing. And, man, it, it is – you have to be it, – it, it's like it's like being in condition to go 15 rounds in a boxing match or 12 rounds versus if you're a knockout artist, you're just going two, three rounds. So the physical demand is put on my body is uh, is taking me uh, a little bit to get used to. So I've got to get you know better. For, not 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 that's not to say that it's affecting my driving, but uh, I do pack the parachutes now. And so when you pack parachutes, you go four rounds and you're cutting lights all day, and you get out in the out in the day, man. You're I'm a whip dude. So anybody that says drag racing is is not they're not athletic. That that's not true. I mean, we're not out there for four hours like NASCAR drivers, but. The emotions and the and the, the 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 nerves of steel and all that you go through to drive these cars at over 330 25 miles an hour for four rounds, man, it's a it's something that I I'm enjoying. But back to your original question, man, it is it is the greatest feeling that I can pull. We can pull our car to the starting line and know we have a legit shot against whoever is in the other lane. And so that's something that I've. 
okay, we put in the time. You can't, nobody can ever say that I didn't put in or we didn't put in the time, the effort and, and, you know, go through the, go through the, the hardship to get here. And, and so I'm just enjoying every moment. Uh, I'm not a predictor. I'm not a prognosticator. We're just going to be, we're going to go out there swinging. If we get, we get, we'll see who's standing at the end, but we just glad to be happy that we're one of them. Amen to that. Cruz Pedregon, thanks for taking the time today. It's, uh, certainly looking forward to Maple Grove this weekend. It looks like it is going to be uh, pretty fast, man. It's going to be cool. And unbelievably, the forecast right now does not have any major weather coming in, which right. Maple Grove no, is well known for. <laughs> beautiful track. Love the fans. Can't wait. Thanks, Cruz. Thank you. Great chat there with Cruz Pedregon, who, again, you can hear it in his voice. You can certainly see it in the performance of the car and the team. They come into Maple Grove in a fashion that uh, he has not come into Maple Grove in in several years, certainly not entering the countdown uh, end of the season. So going to be spectacular, and it is going to be a whole lot of fun when we get going. Now, another person who is coming into the countdown with the maximum amount of momentum is Erica Enders, the U.S. Nationals winner twice uh, in a row now, a multiple-time defending Pro Stock World Champion. Erica, you have to be looking forward to the start of this playoff. How you doing, Erica? I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing really well. And uh, gave you a day to breathe here to catch up a little bit, catch your breath, because that was a that was a pretty harrowing race day on Sunday. Yeah, it was definitely challenging and, and very tough. And, you know, it, it wasn't pretty. But again, uh, we'll take it. You know, it was funny. I, we're going to kind of start at the end and work toward the beginning, I guess. But when I saw the, the shot of you putting on your winner's hat, I think I saw someone that was maybe more – I mean, you're obviously very happy, but I think there was a great amount of relief when you put that hat in your head. You have no idea. I mean, I, I mean, it, it was very evident. I watched the show last night. I just like, it was a huge sigh of relief. I just tried to take a second to gather my thoughts. And, you know, as we all know, winning Indy means the world to all of us, but to go through the day, like I went through it, um, you know, I had a, I had a really good race car and my guys did a, a tremendous job, but I get a D minus from a, from a driver's standpoint. I just did not, I did not do well. And you know, we, we've been on the wrong side of wind lights a lot. So days like that, days like Sunday at the U S nationals make up for it, but there's no reason in the history of the world where I would ever be 31 against Greg Anderson. And it just, you know, it was just all I had on Sunday and I, and I just kept trying to dig myself out of a hole and, I was just super thankful that we were able to get it done. I put it in high gear against Kyle Kresge in the final, and I checked up, and I'm like, oh, crap, this is going to be really close. And you just kind of, like, scrunch your face, you know, and just hold your breath and hope that that beacon turns on on the guard wall, and it did. And It, it was a total sigh of relief. You're absolutely correct. It like the weird thing for us, and I, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, is that, like, I think not just – for the draw, I mean, all of us were on a weird foot coming into Sunday because, like, when you rain a whole day out, and and it's one thing where it rains a day out; it's another thing where it takes basically twelve hours to be told the day's rained out. It does a weird <laughs> thing to everybody where, when you show up on Sunday, and I'm sure for a driver, like, you want as many obviously cracks of the trees you can have in qualifying for various reasons. But um, I feel like it was probably weird for everybody on Sunday, yourself included. Is that why you think you might have been a little bit out of your normal spot because you were kind of coming in cold on Sunday morning? I think that that has definitely has something to do with it. It's it's such a dreadfully long day when they don't call it until you know seven o'clock yeah. at night, and you sit around and you're you're trying to stay up, right? Like you don't want to lay down and take a nap. You don't want to eat a whole bunch of garbage. 
but you've got to find a way to, to pass the day and, and still treat it as if you're going to get behind the wheel of a car. So it's a, it's a very interesting balance, especially mentally. But yeah, I feel like that's a, a, a little bit of a reason. I'm like physically and mentally exhausted on, on Sunday. I didn't sleep well Saturday night and just a different kind of state of mind. And it, I was talking to my sister about it a little bit and it kind of takes me back to when I went to Frank Holly's school. I went to him for super comp and, and top alcohol funny car. And then I've been back to the classroom side of it a half a dozen times. He's a, he's a brilliant man and, you know, basically a sports psychologist. So he, he would say like, take a piece of paper, like a, a new piece of paper out of your printer and you crinkle the corner and say, you know, Oh, I'm worried about my house payment or my boyfriend treated me like crap or blah, blah, blah. And each thing, each negative thing is a crumple. Well, you can straighten that paper out as much as you can, but it's still a wrinkled mess when you're done with it. So that's kind of what my brain felt like on Sunday. And I've got to do uh, you know, a better job of that. And, and that's something that I've been good at in the past. So you can bet your butt I will have my act together in Reading, but it was uh, it was just a, a dreadful day. <laughs> and, and, no, it's an interesting point you make too because I had, I talked to Cruz Pedregon first, and Cruz talked about the kind of the kind of state of mind and and physical state he's in, where he has a race car that he's not been used. To. I mean, the guy hasn't gone rounds in years, and now he's going rounds every race. And and he said the same thing to a degree. He talked more about the the exertion of driving the the nitro car and on his body and and kind of what it makes him feel like. But I feel like on the pro stock side, there's obviously an exertion and G force and all that stuff involved. But I, I I don't know how you can explain to somebody the mental exertion that goes into one of these days and especially a day where you're not feeling particularly comfortable in the race car. Yeah, it's, it's definitely crucial. And we all talk about it as drivers. It's 90% of this game is mental. It's yes, it's physically draining on your body. And we had uh, an incident on Sunday, uh, the round that I had Matt Hartford. Um, I was lucky that he went red cause I was tardy there, but I, uh, I had a shoot that ripped a hole in it and they were really new shoots and it kind of like jerked the car back and forth back and forth and my head was like a pinball in between the padding of the roll bars in there and it it wasn't something that I could control with brake or steering it was just the way the wind was catching the parachute and so I was like beat up and I had a crushing headache the rest of the day I mean so there's all the physical things that happen but on the mental side of it like you have got to stay up you have got to stay positive and um, you know, my dad was always a great coach with that. You speak the things that you want into existence. You dwell on the things that you want instead of the negative aspects, which all of that is, is the true challenge. As you know, you, you totally get the, the whole game and it's, uh, it's, it's tough, but you just, you just gotta end up on top. By any means necessary. And, and, you know, I always bring up the point when you are a championship caliber team, no matter what the sport is, no matter what the activity is. The teams that win championships are the ones that can win ugly sometimes. And if you're not able to win ugly sometimes, then you're just not going to win. Correct. That 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 is such an accurate statement. And the people that I have stand behind me, you know, I, I hear you talk about, you know, Chase Freeman on the show and my sister and, and Jake and Richard and all the guys that, that make this possible. But not only are they, they physically working on the mechanics of the car, like Chase is in my door, you know, before – before I fire and he's you know after I do my burnout he's you know giving me a fist bump and slamming on the hood like just trying to keep me up so it's just a full team effort and it's it's unbelievable when it all comes together but 
um, days like Sunday, like you said, you, you just have to be right place, right time for the taking. And, and sometimes it's ugly and sometimes it's pretty, but you know, there's a lot of times that it's really pretty and you wind up on the wrong side of the light and it's just, uh, you just got to keep digging. Like the, the peaks don't mean anything without the valleys. You have a really good relationship with Mark Ingersoll. What was, uh, what was kind of the first thing he said when he made it to the top end after the final? <laughs> he uh he had tears in his eyes that guy you've talked to him he is the most passionate person yeah. there is he nobody wants to win more than him and and we want to win a lot he is just um he's just the best man and and he settles for nothing less than perfection and when he got to the top end like before we ran the finals we obviously got stuck in the lane that everybody was a little bit nervous about and he told me um in the pit before we left he goes you don't think twice about that right lane he goes i promise you i bet you everything that we got we're going right through that shake zone and and we absolutely did and his confidence like helps me tremendously so knowing that he was confident with the car set up in the crappy lane and and um we were able to get through it so when we when he got down there he had tears in his eyes and he told me i was badass and the best driver out there but in turn i feel the same way about him there's nobody nobody in the pit that is better than that man right there and we had a, a guy one of our teammates posted a picture of mark with you know his headset on and the mic in his mouth and he i think he was lining me up in the photo and he says it says superheroes don't all wear capes and that's mark ingersoll to a freaking t he is bad to the bone yeah and watching the watching the final we uh the, you know way we showed it on tv we had the overhead you know helicopter shot and then we kind of went to the lower shots but you know the one thing i was just waiting for and it was that first 330 feet and you know reaction times being one thing but we saw plenty of people leave first on that right side and and shake their brains out or worse so um it was very interesting to me that once that car went say 300 feet i thought okay this is going to come right down to the wire yeah and it did and, and Koretsky certainly closed the gap significantly you know I I had a little bit of a starting line advantage thank goodness and and he closed the gap all the way down the track as as you mentioned on the show it just ended up being I think three thousandths margin of victory which yeah. is so close and again like I said looking over I'm like oh my god this is gonna be crazy so um but yeah when we made it through I knew when I pulled second gear when I got through second gear to the top of it where I was gonna shift third and it went I was like okay game on because it felt clean <laughs> when I let go of the clutch and I was like okay okay we can do this and and thank god we were able to but but I cannot speak more highly about Mark and Jake and Chase and all of the guys that helped me on my team. They're they're incredible men, and I'm so lucky to have them. So we in, we now begin this uh, for Pro Stock and Pro Stock Motorcycle. What would be a six race countdown, uh, which is the races are really tightly packed on top of each other. This is a road that you've walked down before. It's a road that you've uh, walked down successfully many times before. So, uh, is there anything you typically do in a normal year at this point of the season? Is there anything you you refocus on? Is there anything you change your uh, mentality about a- approaching this countdown? Is there is there is there a is there a different Erica behind the wheel in the countdown than there was at Indy? I definitely think that there will be, <laughs> and let's hope that there is. Um, if I want a shot at our fifth championship, I mean, um, I, I told you a couple of weeks ago, in, in four weeks, right, four yep. races in a row, I'm going to know where we stand. Yep. And, um, you know, we started off on, on the right foot by by winning Indy, um, it was able to, that was my goal going into Indy. I knew I could not pass Greg Anderson, but 
But when we set foot on the ground on Thursday, I said, my goal is to leave here in second place, you know, to go into the countdown in second place. And we accomplished that goal with a win in the process. And, and as you know, again, momentum is huge in our game. So we're going to try to carry that U.S. Nationals win to uh, to Reading, to Charlotte, to St. Louis. And Charlotte and St. Louis are, are two tracks that I've had a tremendous amount of success at. Um, we've won St. Louis the last few years in a row. And, um, you know, and Charlotte as well. So I'm, uh, I'm excited to be able to return to the tracks that have been good to us. And, and it's really awesome that they're a significant part of the countdown. And then heading to Dallas, where we've won before. And Vegas, obviously, has been yeah. unbelievably awesome to me and my team. So um, these, these next races are crucial. And, yes, to answer your question, I'm long-winded. But I, I definitely believe that you will see a different team, a different Erica in the countdown. And, and that's something that Mark said again this weekend. This is, this is where we rise to the top. This is where people crumble and we get better. We, we never have a really great regular season. It's just when, when it counts, when it comes down to the wire, we are great. And we're going to give our all to do that again to make it three in a row you mentioned the success you've had at, at multiple uh tracks we're going to be racing at during the countdown and it's interesting to me like you know i think we we talk a lot about the mentality we've talked a lot about the psychology and mentality of it even in this conversation today but you know I, I think it's so interesting because there's two ways you can look at all this stuff you you can look at you know coming into indy going well i made the final tw- two years in a row is it possible to do it three years in a row or you can say damn it, I've done this twice in a row. Why shouldn't I do it three times in a row? And I think to your point, that's what separates, it it really is what separates people who will ultimately, ultimately succeed over the long term versus people who, you know, kind of get their shot here or there. Correct. A hundred percent. And, and believing is half of the battle. You again, have to speak the things that you want into existence. And, and it, it sounds so silly sometimes, but those positive thoughts and the, visualizing of the things that you want to happen and and how you want everything to go down that's what makes the good great and I think that's something that our team is awesome at so when we look at and kind of survey the landscape of of the cars in the top 10 no real surprises in there we know over the course of a season that that the 10 best cars make the countdown there are no real shocking names in the list um what if anything, when you look around, obviously Aaron Stanfield's name keeps coming up in conversation. Dallas Glenn names keeps coming up in conversation. I feel like Greg, he's certainly not being forgotten, but I feel like Greg Anderson may not be getting spoken about enough because he hasn't really performed exceptionally over the last few races. Who are the who are the two or three that you're really keeping an eye on here? Um, Greg Anderson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aaron Stanfield. Um, you know, him and TJ going red first round at the U.S. Nationals yeah. was was a huge shock, and um, you know both of them obviously very disappointed. But at the same time, uh, I I know what they're capable of. I know the horsepower that's under the hood. Mark Ingersoll and Tim Freeman work on my car just like they work on their cars, so I know what what they what those guys are capable of. So um, you know, I think those are ones to to put a tag on for sure. Um, Dallas Glenn is is proven to be. You know, a good lever. He's got KB power. I mean, look at Kyle Koretsky. There's a handful of them that are that are right in the mix. But at the beginning of the year, um, you know, I said just as a fun bet, you know, it's going to come down to me and Greg Anderson for the championship. But there there are a lot of names in the mix, and and it will be a dogfight. You mark my word. But um, 
again, my money's on us, and, and I'm really excited to see how this how this plays out. It's going to be stressful. There are days, you know, you're towing to the staging lanes, and you, you don't know if you're going to throw up or pass out, but you're, <laughs> you're just excited, and you're nervous, and it's, it, but it's all good. you got to channel it for the positive, and, um, you know, we've been, again, in, in so many high-pressure situations where my guys perform, where I perform, and we're able to turn wind lights on collectively as a team, so I'm, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that, and I know exactly what we're capable of and the really cool thing is so do our competitors yeah and that's uh, really the kind of the last thing i wanted to talk to you about is when we when we kind of just look at the the way the classes typically work in terms of pro stock and pro stock motorcycle and the fuel classes there are seemingly a lot the the mistakes you can make in a fuel category early in the countdown can be redeemed in, in the sense of there is very little margin of of predictability there when we look at the pro stock category i i honestly feel like it is harder to win the championship in the countdown in pro stock motorcycle or in pro stock car because of the grouping of the performance of the cars to start with and secondly if you if you trip and fall the first weekend out you're not likely going to get the chance to make it back up again 100 percent hit the nail on the head both both of those comments i mean it's it's a dogfight. These cars are all like super close ET wise. And, and a lot of the drivers, like if you look over the, the course of the last decade or decade and a half since, since I've been driving, the way that the reaction times have just, they've risen to the occasion. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're way better. Like people, you know, back when Mike Edwards won the championship in 09 and when the KB cars were crazy dominant like these guys are winning races and winning championships with 60 70 80 lights and like if you drag that crap up there you're going to the house and and you know I, I was reading a, a few stories and I've done a few interviews since I went on Sunday and you know my my 24 in the final like I'm ashamed of it and people are saying like yeah that wasn't stellar that barely cut it you know what I mean but but some people wake up and like would give all the money in yeah. their pocket to be to be able to be 24 this this stuff is not easy it is a true challenge every single time but the the drivers have risen to the occasion i think the competition has gotten closer it's gotten way better and way tougher so i think you're 100 percent spot on with uh it's going to be crazy in pro stock and pro stock motorcycle it'll be great i think it'll be fascinating to watch the likes of a kyle koretsky the likes of a dallas glenn the likes of a of an aaron stanfield who obviously have had great regular seasons koretsky's particularly the last couple of races the car has been stellar and he has i mean in terms of a, a most improved driver and i don't say that to i'm not saying that to de- devalue what he had done so far but in terms of a guy who has really begun to put it together in this season it to me it's definitely kyle koretsky I agree. And, you know, I, I talked to him after every round. We ran pretty close together throughout the day. And, uh, you know, when we both won the semifinals, I, you know, walked over and gave him a hug and told him I was proud of him. I mean, this stuff is hard. People people that sit on the guard wall or sit in the grandstands or watch behind a computer screen have no idea how challenging it is to drive one of these cars and do it consistently and do it consistently well. And I agree with you. He's, he's doing a great job. And, and after... After we won in the finals, I, I walked over to him and I knew how he was yeah. feeling in his gut. I could see it on his face. He was sitting on the golf cart and I just, I gave him a big hug and I said, your win is coming. Do not, you, you don't give up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just, he, he has risen to the occasion and how much 
better of a driver he's become since him and I had to race in the finals of Las Vegas earlier this year. So he's uh, he's doing a great job. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see if the, see if the young uh, the young kids uh, wilt under the pressure, or if they're able to stand up to it. And certainly, we know that there are a multitude of proven commodities, yourself included, who have done it successfully before. So, Erica, thank you as always for taking the time, and uh, look forward to uh, to seeing how this whole thing shakes out in Maple Grove. And it does look like we're going to get all the qualifying sessions in. So, don't worry about one qualifying session; we'll be fine. Yay! I'm so <laughs> excited. Thank you, Brian. You're awesome. You bet. Thanks, Erica. And so that brings us to the end of this episode of the NHRA Insider. Loving the insight from both Erica and Cruz Pedregon, two drivers who are not afraid to go deep into not only their own thoughts, the psychology of the sport, and really anything that's going on in and around their respective categories. The NHRA's Camping World Countdown begins this weekend in Pennsylvania. Get your tickets. You can go to NHRA.com to come see us at Maple Grove Raceway. It is going to be an absolute throwdown. It looks beautiful for the weather. It is an incredible return to uh, for us to Maple Grove Raceway. Obviously, didn't race there in 2020, and we are very thankful to be going back there in 2021. This one is going to be one you don't want to miss. Coming off the U.S. Nationals just one week ago, hearing rumors now that there are some cars testing at Indy today, going to pack up and head to the east side of the things. Uh, one thing we didn't touch on was, of course, uh, Matt Hagen. What's going to happen there? Hearing Tommy Johnson Jr. will be back in the car here in Maple Grove. Uh, you'll find out when I find out. Follow NHRA.com for more information on that story. The team is going to have to say something pretty quick on who's driving that car, and I guess we'll figure it out in the next couple of days. We're going to have Sportsman Drag Racing on Thursday, and of course Friday, Saturday, and Sunday we'll have Sportsman Racing as well as our Camping World qualifying on Friday, Saturday, and Eliminations on Sunday. Our coverage will be on FS1 this weekend. We have a qualifying show on Sunday morning, and then our Elimination show on FS1 on Sunday afternoon. That's it for me. I'm going to pack my bags, get finishing up my laundry, and get back on the road down to Maple Grove. No place I'd rather be, and certainly no place any NHRA fan would rather be either. Division One, baby, my part of the country. Can't wait to get back to historic Maple Grove Raceway in Reading, Pennsylvania. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NHRA Insider and all the episodes. If you've missed any, you can go right back in the archive and listen to anything you want to catch up on. Always love having conversations with our drivers and going the extra mile to get in their heads and to get the inside scoop on what's going on in this sport. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back next week with a recap of Reading and a look forward to Charlotte. Yes, the NFL race, meaning the race that we're going to, the NHRA will be on after an NFL game on Fox. It promises to be potentially the largest audience that has ever witnessed a drag race on television. It's going to be fantastic, and I can't wait, but I'm not looking past this weekend. Neither should you. Thanks. Thanks.